0: For someone whose entire career has been focused on joy, why a podcast on pain? Because these stories need to be told. A good phoenix rising out of the ashes story reminds us all that not only can we survive, we can thrive. And when we emerge, different. That's the alchemy of pain. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the alchemy of pain, the podcast with a name that seems like a real buzzkill. However, all of the people that we talk to have stories of how their pain has turned into their purpose. And even something that they can say thank you for eventually, I know, it's big. And it's not something that happens overnight. But I'm honored to have a dear friend with me today. His name is Cam You might remember him from that season on The Bachelorette, where the editors made him out to be a villain. And I learned to know that he was just a truly wonderful human being. He has a story of pain and probably, Cam Ayella, you could have chosen a few different stories to tell today, couldn't you?
1: A few, a few come to mind for sure. But pain is uh, a near and dear friend of mine, I guess we can say. <laughs> so
0: before it's a friend, boy is in it a foe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we sort of wrestle with these things. Like, for people that don't know, I met Cam through a condition that he has called lymphedema. And for people who aren't familiar with that condition, could you explain it really quick?
1: Sure, Uh, we all have a lymphatic system. uh, And for people who have lymphedema, you can have the hereditary uh, form that you're born with, which is what I was born with, or you can have secondary, which is really common amongst like breast cancer patients. So essentially the lymphatic system moves lymph fluid through your whole body from the tips of your toes, even in our brain, we have lymph fluid there. So when your lymphatic system is impaired, uh, whether it's genetically or through some sort of trauma, surgical uh, cancer treatment, that's when you can develop symptoms like chronic swelling in any of your extremities or really anywhere in your body. So for me, I was born with lymphedema, and it predominantly impacted my right leg, uh, specifically in the knee into my upper thigh, which unfortunately resulted in a lot of different episodes of infection, which then resulted in emergency surgeries. And then we'll probably get into what led to my most recent um, surgery slash uh, challenge.
0: Yeah, so for those that aren't familiar, this presents often as a swollen limb. And I can only imagine as a child having a leg that was different from all the other kids on the playground had to present its own challenges.
1: Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, currently there's no cure for lymphedema and it is progressive in nature and really even the healthiest and, uh, I guess, superstar patients, if you will, uh, you can manage the, the symptoms of the, of the condition, but, you know, unfortunately, if it's left unmanaged, it will win the battle with lymphedema. Gravity will always defeat you if you don't mitigate it in some capacity. So, As a child, um, really age 11 is when I was first diagnosed after my first knee surgery. Uh, I really had to take it by the horns, as they say. And if I didn't develop healthy habits of self-care, daily self-care, then I knew that the thought and dream and promise of living a normal future, an active future was going to be impossible. So really that age 11 is when I had to kind of become a man and decide to do all the compression bandaging, the wrapping, the pumping, the seeing the therapist, and just being very careful not to hurt myself while playing football, baseball, and basketball and riding a bike.
0: I think I've always been inspired by the fact that you didn't let your chronic condition keep you back from doing amazing things, even being on that episode of The Bachelorette. And, you know, we're talking about pain here. And so we're we've addressed the fact that you've lived your entire life with a chronic condition called lymphedema and you didn't let it stop you. You went out there. We're on a nationally televised program advocating still for the lymphedema patient population. But I would have to say perhaps another pain in your life would have been the way you were portrayed on that series.
1: Yeah. And you know, the older I get, and as I've just kind of like reflected on it through many hours of therapy and time with my pastor and, and church community and just friends and just really kind of journaling, you don't have to go on reality TV to experience the kind of pain and trauma that I went through. It's like, yeah, though there, there are millions of people who watched it, like, think about the average everyday person who has their immediate circles, whether it's their coworkers. Uh, their colleagues uh, within their field, or even just their friends and, and even family. Family is the one that can hurt you the most. To have something you're very uh, maybe insecure about, and to finally take that uh, leap of faith or, or courage to be vulnerable and to be open about it, like I did, and to not have that received in a way that is uh, respectful or nurturing to your healing journey that can set you back. And that's kind of what happened to me on steroids, because especially with the prominence of social media, you kind of open up the floodgates when you allow people access to your personal life. And so when I was open and transparent about my lymphedema, I was, you know, in essence, kind of villainized for it. But what I've learned through that whole process is you can't live your life with the expectation of approval and acceptance from other people because that's just something that we don't have control over. Uh, and and you know, that goes for forgiveness too, right? Like if someone does wrong to you, you can't allow your forgiveness timeline to be dictated by the person who wronged you or hurt you because you could be waiting a whole lifetime and that may never happen. So real healing starts with personal humility.
0: Healing starts with humility. I love that phrase. I think we might have a title for this interview. <laughs> But you don't just get there to the forgiveness. There is this wrestling match of anger. I have been portrayed improperly. I am, there's nothing worse. Well, there are things worse, but it's hard to feel misunderstood. And Mm. how do you get from that pain to the peace?
1: Yeah, that is, um, it's, it is not a linear path in most cases, right? Um, and it does take a lot of self-reflection. And honestly, you have to also put into perspective the other people in your life. Uh, people will oftentimes project their own pain or insecurities onto you. And when you take that personally, it's only going to kind of perpetuate this, this pain cycle, um, one of my favorite books is The Four Agreements. and I, I just that's one of those books that you can just constantly read it, regardless of what age or what season of life you're in, whether you're in a season of gratitude or a season of just kind of going through something rough and and I struggle like still to this day, it just shows how human I am that oftentimes I do make assumptions and take things personally. And those are two of the four agreements that I think I struggle with the most. but um, as as far as a path to, processing the pain, um, you do have to realize that there is no specific timeline uh, and, and we can have these expectations. And then that can be somewhat helpful to kind of, you know, almost like, let's say you're an athlete or you're someone training for some sort of milestone or goal. Uh, it could be helpful or useful in some situations to have like aspirational timelines. But when it comes to matters of the heart and feeling, and especially with chronic pain, uh, sometimes it's just something you have to like chip away one one day at a time.
0: And so, in those one days at a time, what is the light that keeps you going? Because the whole point of this podcast isn't to uh, create an altar to our pain, but rather to celebrate getting through it. So. Day by day, say someone's watching right now and they are right in the throes of maybe a chronic illness or a personal pain of being misunderstood or feeling like people turned on you. How did you get through those days?
1: Um, you know, and I'm not going to be like super evangelical, but faith has played a big part in my journey because, um, you know, dealing with a chronic disease, pretty much my whole life. Um, I've tried other ways to self-medicate, whether it was through, uh, different drugs, alcohol, unhealthy, toxic relationship. Um, I just recently found out that there is such thing as affirmation addiction, And affirmation addiction is really uh, perpetuated, especially through social media, when you're addicted to being affirmed, especially by like complete strangers. I mean, we know the studies, you get dopamine releases in your brain from, you know, notifications on social media, whether it's a positive comment or a negative comment. So I found that, especially after doing reality TV, that I did have that affirmation addiction, which is. Not really a surprise to me because I thought that oh words of affirmation is just one of my five love languages but it can also be unhealthy too if you have too much or an unhealthy balance of something. So when you're kind of in the in the trenches so to speak and you're dealing with uh, maybe it's chronic pain or pain that just maybe in the moment seems like it's not going to go away, it's good to constantly remind yourself that pleasure and pain are both temporary states and uh, you know, I, I, know you've said this, uh, many a times, uh, this too shall pass. Now, when you're dealing with chronic pain, it's, it's hard to imagine that. Um, and gosh, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I mean, when especially when you're dealing with physical pain or emotional pain, uh, it can feel like you're in this almost kind of a quicksand state where like the harder you try to fight to get through it, you feel like you're sinking faster. Um, but I've also learned the value of, of surrender. Uh, surrendering to oneself, um, and that's not like white flag. I'm giving up, but for me, it was surrendering my life to God and realizing that I am just a mortal man, and I've made mistakes, and I've tried to push through things when, in reality, I probably should have relied on a higher power outside of myself to see the perspective and the purpose in that pain that I can now see a little bit more clearly.
0: I've known you; I think it's five years now. And the man that I'm talking to today is not the same man I knew back then. And I want to acknowledge that. And I think we do people a disservice where we put them in boxes and say, oh, I know Cam, or I know Brenda. Oh, no, no, no. If you haven't talked to me today, you don't know me. Because every day, we are evolving and we are making choices to, as I always say, become bitter or better. Yep. And your personal evolution led you to a decision to have your leg amputated. Is that the pain that you would identify as the one that changed you forever for good? Or is there another one?
1: Yeah, I I would. And there was obviously many seasons of pain that led to the decision to amputate my leg. Now, I mean, a lot of people, when I kind of tell my story, they, they really struggle with The reality of me deciding to amputate my leg. Because unfortunately, I had a knee replacement, and uh, that was about two years ago, and it was botched. So, in other words, the surgeon put in the wrong sized hardware, and that recovery was pretty hellacious because I could barely walk and was an otherwise healthy individual, even with the lymphedema. So, I had to decide to not do a total knee replacement revision which would have been three more on top of my already 16 pre-existing surgeries on this right knee. And there comes a time when you just have to kind of decide when something in your life is no longer serving you anymore. And that may be an actual limb. That may be a family member. That may be a career path. That may be a relationship. There's so many things that we can be enslaved to that we hold on to because it may be part of our identity. But What I've learned from from opting into losing my leg is that though I lost my leg, I gained a new purpose and I gained a new type of mobility in my life. I've gained a new community of people with limb loss and limb difference. I've gained a stronger relationship with God through all that. So it's it's really all how you choose to uh, digest and process the pain. Uh, It can be something that is perceived as, you know, woe is me, very negative, or you can find that silver and platinum lining that is there when you, when you seek it.
0: When facing such a crucial decision in your life, you must know yourself because nobody can influence you when it comes to a decision like that. And I'm sure you had plenty of opinions coming your way. Would you say that what came out of all this was a greater sense of self? You mentioned being secure in yourself in a new way. I'd love to talk about that a little more.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we we often hear about like imposter syndrome and this pursuit of perfection that again is reinforced by social media and, and people putting up these snapshots of their lives and I just decided that, you know what, I'm gonna be unapologetically myself and the good, the bad, the ugly, because I know that I'm not only doing myself a disservice, but I'm doing the other people with lymphedema, the other people who are going through limb loss a disservice if I put on this facade that everything is sunshine and rainbows on my social media, for example. And even in most religions and and, uh, sectors of faith, they talk about how there's beauty in the suffering. And one of my favorite Bible verses is talking about rejoicing in the suffering because that brings perseverance. Perseverance brings character and character brings hope. And if you're going through a chronic disease or a season of depression or pain, if you don't have hope to cling on to, it's like, what else is there? And I just knew that when I was literally the morning of my amputation, like going into the hospital at four in the morning with my parents escorting me there and literally a camera crew because they're filming a documentary about it. Most people would be so high strung with anxiety and fear, but for whatever reason, I was so calm because I knew that I had given everything the past 32 years of trying to save the leg and doing my absolute best that I knew that it was time to, surrender it to God and know that he has a bigger plan in all this for me. And that this was really just the beginning of a whole new journey that would definitely be challenging. Like I wasn't oblivious or naive to that, but I was, I was ready to, to be that warrior for the next battle that, that God had placed in front of me.
0: And you're also living, talk about a full life. You've got serious plans to do things that would be nightmarish to me. Tell our audience what you've got in queue these amazing trips and physical exploits that you have planned.
1: Yeah. And, you know, everybody processes a recovery differently. Right. And, and it just really depends on what you're going through. Right. Like for me, right after the amputation, the best way for me to mitigate my pain Uh, And my emotional and spiritual well-being was was movement. And so I started doing CrossFit again two weeks after my amputation. Now, was I the same person two weeks after the surgery that I was prior to the surgery and that I am today? Absolutely not. But you just kind of have to give your best given the circumstances. Kind of like the four agreements say, be impeccable with your words. Well, I also think you should be impeccable with your actions, right? Because that's something you do have control over. And it may not be the most graceful or, you know, perfect form, but that movement of just me getting out of the house says, you know what, we're going to be 1% better today than we were yesterday. And so the other thing that I did that (laughs) my parents and most of my inner circle were saying I was crazy for is I went on a humanitarian trip to Ukraine four months after my amputation. So I went into a literal war zone to volunteer to bring prosthetic supplies to individuals in Ukraine who uh, were impacted by the conflict. And at that point, I'd only had my own prosthetic for about maybe a month and a half. So
0: I literally have goosebumps. What was your main takeaway from that experience, Kim?
1: Obedience to the higher power. Now, my higher power is the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe that God wanted me to go over there. And one of my favorite phrases is having faith over fear, because when you have a deficit of faith, guess what? You're going to have a surplus of fear. And when you have a surplus of faith, you're going to have a deficit of fear. And so when you go through something um, pretty traumatic, uh, there's the old saying, it can make or break you. And fortunately, I was not broken by it. And I was given a whole new lease on life, a whole new perspective. Um, I no longer fear dying. And and I don't mean that that I'm living recklessly, right? Because you, you still need to be responsible. But I think people get so caught up in their own mortality that they forget to live. And one of the oldest phrases that we have is, oh, you know, you need to have work-life balance. And I don't like that because me and my buddy thought about this a couple of months ago. It's like, no, we need to reverse that. You need to have life work balance because your life, you were alive before you started working. And that doesn't mean you can't find career paths that are uh, fulfilling and passionate to you, but you really have to prioritize your own well-being so you can be there for other people. So you can be a better employee, a better spouse, a better friend, a better son, daughter, whatever dynamic you're in. And for me, just being obedient to um, that that voice in my head, the Holy Spirit in me, like, if there's someone that's in need, and you have the ability and capacity to help them, like, I'm always going to jump to that. Because in serving other people, you're actually filling your own cup too. Uh, So that's kind of what led to my first big initiative post-amputation. And then uh, I've really had a, a great joy in doing adaptive sports with um, the Challenge Athletes Foundation from wheelchair basketball to adaptive running with the running blade. And what I'm most excited about is this upcoming trip I have at the end of September. Uh, I'm doing a 19,000 foot mountain climb with a group called Range of Motion Project, where um, the group is about 15 of us and we're all amputees. So we all kind of have that in common. Uh, we joke that we're all on our last leg here, but we are summiting this mountain so we can raise funds and awareness to help people all across the globe and really in South America who don't have access to quality prosthetic care like we do here in the state. So um, it's not just about climbing the mountain. We have a little pop-up clinic there that will be fabricating prosthetic arms and legs for people who've never been able to walk in their lives or never been able to full body hug a loved one because of just that lack of accessibility. So, you know, your purpose and passion is going to change throughout your life. It's not like, you know, you have this one linear path. Um, But for me, I've just been trying to lean into anything and everything where I can make kingdom impact.
0: So we are running to the end of our interview here and I could go on and on. I got to say, every time you mention the four agreements, my face does things because my mark is the one that taught me the four agreements and he lived by them. And I think Mm -hmm. the most marvelous people I know in life live by those four agreements. And I fall short of them all the time. But the point is when you fall short of them, don't beat yourself up about it. They're just guideposts to help you get, they're guideposts that you can like sort of cling to to pick yourself up again. You said something about breath while you have breath. And here's the thing for anybody watching, you have breath right now. You are alive right now. And it may be a hard time. It may be a dark time. We get it. We are not minimizing that. But Kim, what would you say to our viewer, our listener right now, who is in that dark space and wondering if they can go on?
1: So the thing that separates a villain from a hero is how they respond to adversity, right? Like most heroes and villains have the same upbringing, right? Either they're orphaned or they have some sort of trauma or pain. A villain is going to take that pain and they're going to point fingers and blame the world and try to afflict more pain on others. Whereas a hero is gonna take that pain and they're going to say, you know what? I'm gonna stand up to this so other people don't have to go through the same pain. And so I encourage you to be a hero because you do have superpower heroes in you to conquer that pain with patience, with grace, and with looking to something outside of yourself. So stay positive, feel the feels, but be strong.
0: Perfect way to end and a perfect description of the alchemy of pain. If you will let it, it can transform you into something beautiful what an honor to talk to you, my friend today. I've missed you. We will stay in touch. I will direct people to follow you on social media. And thank you all for listening today to another episode. We hope it brought some light to your dark place. Share this with someone who could use some encouragement. That's what this is all about. Have a great day.